Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, how all the political controversy on Facebook is actually turning people off enough to abandon the social network. At least that's what a new study says. We'll find out more. Also, a dire warning for hospitals during the pandemic about another kind of threat, cyber attacks and what can be done to prevent them. All this and more coming up. By the time you hear this program, we'll know at least some election results, although many won't be completely tabulated until later on this month. But what we do know is that people have certainly been getting sick of politics and political strife on Facebook. In fact, there's a new study out that says so. University of Akron Assistant Professor of Marketing Alexa Fox tells us about the research she did along with some colleagues from the University of North Carolina and Columbus State University. Our study is called Sex It with a play on on the idea of sex being Facebook exiting behaviors. And what we really took a look at was the effect of unwanted political posts and the changing nature of consumers' engagement with Facebook in what we're calling its post-trust era, during which time it's really been plagued by a lot of censorship and privacy scandals. And so what we found was that while we took a look at a variety of content that Facebook users were posting from, and those users were coming from, everywhere from family to friends, people tend to be a little bit more permissive with their family uh, than their friends when it comes to those exiting-related behaviors like muting connections, decreasing use of the platform, and deactivating one's Facebook account. And we also found that they were not very happy to see brand-related content, so content that friends and family would share about one's brand, and as well as political content. So we saw that political posts, especially those that did not align with one's political views, were not viewed very favorably and led to more Facebook exiting behavior. See, that's interesting to me because, you know, I'm a big Facebook user, probably like almost everybody in the world is, and at least of my age. Um, and what I usually do when something annoys me, and believe me, many things annoy me, uh, I usually just mute it or just unfollow it or whatever. I don't consider just exiting the platform altogether. Right. So what we took a look at was a variety of exiting behaviors at different levels. Like you said, muting was one of those exiting related behaviors. Decreasing use of the platform was another behavior. And then kind of on the other end of the extreme would be deactivating your Facebook account altogether. So all of those behaviors were included as exiting behaviors in our study. And so what does this then say to you in terms of a conclusion? Do you have any kind of forward-looking expectations about how this is going to pan out? Well, I think that people are, you know, continuing to use Facebook, as you said, it continues to be one of the most popular platforms for this kind of interaction. But I think the challenge is that as public trust in Facebook continues to wane, we've seen so many different kinds of conversations this summer and this election season deciding, you know, exactly what's going on on Facebook. I think some of that unrelated or unwanted content, like I said, brand content, political content, 
could possibly drive Facebook users away from the platform. And this not only could impact brand social media marketing strategies and users' relationships with those brands, but it could also have some big implications for Facebook depending on, you know, kind of how people really want to continue to use that platform or maybe start to decrease some of their behaviors. So we're really going to continue to see this continuously evolving post-trust era for Facebook and exactly what that's going to mean, like I said, not just for the platform, but I think for users and for the brands that seek to have presences to reach consumers on that platform. You know, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy to me because the more that you let Facebook know exactly what your needs and dislikes and likes are, the more they can refine the algorithm that serves you with the right content. So, you know, there's there's that kind of thing. It's like, I often do things like say, I don't want to see this ad or I don't want to follow this thing. So usually, at least for me, it's made it a better experience and I haven't decided that I want to leave. But you say a lot of people don't feel that way. Right. And I think that sometimes Facebook's algorithm can also work in in different ways where Sometimes they're a company just like any other company, and so they also have a decision or a say in kind of what content this does get put on your newsfeed and kind of how that content is curated. So I think to the extent that they may know that if you do want to see certain types of content from your friends and family, they may try to make sure that that content is available to you and posted on your newsfeed, which is fine. The challenge that I think people have to kind of understand about that is that maybe there would be something to think about if the content is perceived to be unbiased. So in other words, if what we think we see on our newsfeed is completely portrayed by whatever people do post and that Facebook doesn't really have a say in it, to your point about the algorithm, I think that's not necessarily going to be the case moving forward. So I think this study really just kind of has an opportunity for Facebook to take a look and say, do we want to placate our investors and people who really have a say in the way we make money, or do we kind of have to balance that with the preferences of our users as well? The FBI recently put out an urgent warning for hospitals and healthcare systems nationwide about ransomware attacks that could disrupt their systems. CBS's Andy Trier explains. Ransomware once it's injected into a computer, takes it over, freezes it, and holds the data hostage until whoever is being held hostage pays money to release the data. Cybersecurity experts I've been talking to tell me it could not come at a worse time with the U.S. undergoing a COVID pandemic. Anything to slow down the hospital system and the healthcare system in this country is going to affect people and possibly lives. For more information, we talked to Trusted Sec Incident Response Practice Lead Tyler Hudak, who tells us protecting against this type of attack is all about getting back to basics. Keeping your systems up to date, making sure that they're patched so that there aren't any vulnerabilities that can be exploited. Having uh, security software on your host like antivirus, which will help uh, detect some of these attacks should they get in. And really just using common sense, looking at those emails that are coming in making sure that you're not clicking on any links in there and making sure that, you know, the attachments are really what you're expecting. If you get an email that you're not expecting, don't just open the link within it or the document. Chances are it could be uh, fake or it could be an attack. And so 
being aware of that, having a situational awareness absolutely helps protect systems as well. But we asked if something like that does happen, whether it's to a hospital or some other type of business, is that an issue that a computer security consulting firm like TrustedSec, for example, could help resolve? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the first things that happens when you get hit with ransomware is you need to perform incident response. This is responding to the incident, and you go through a number of phases where you're investigating to figure out what happened, and then containing the incidents, making sure that it can't spread anymore, eradicating the incidents to get rid of the hacker, and then recovering so you're going back to your, your normal operations. One of the first things you should do is if you don't have the capabilities to do this and you haven't practiced doing this, that you should call the professionals, uh, like the trusted seconds that response team. Um, there are lots of companies out there that can come in. They know how to respond to incidents. Ransomware is one of the top incidents that we respond to. So we know how the attackers work. We know what their tooling is. We know their techniques. And so having those experts come in allow companies to very quickly recover from the incident and come back to normal operations so they're affected as little as possible. From what I've heard about ransomware, and it's huge, is that a lot of companies and even places like police stations that have gotten hacked in the past with this ransomware, they just went ahead and paid the freight. They paid the ransom and it unlocked their files and and then they were back to business because it was cheaper for them to pay the ransom than it was to deal with the nightmare and the headache of having all their systems locked up. But kind of a wrinkle in that came up recently, I think within the last couple of weeks where the federal government said, look, there are certain countries where this stuff comes from, where we're going to make it illegal for you to pay the ransom to these folks because that would be you supporting essentially cyber terrorism. What about that? That's going to be very interesting moving forward. I think a lot of people in the industry don't really know how that's going to affect things because one of the reasons that people would pay the ransom is because their cyber insurance would actually reimburse them for that. There's a big unknown right now as to if cyber insurance will continue to do that. So far, there hasn't been any indication that they would not. However, there's always that chance. And so I think we'll start to see more and more legal cases as time goes on using this as a basis for whether or not ransoms will be paid. So it's kind of an unknown right now, but it's very interesting and everybody's watching it. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.